0: Democratic U.S. Senator Chris Coons recently said something on the Brett Kavanaugh case a hearing that I found very interesting. And it wasn't necessarily his conclusions, although he made some good points, but it was actually a phrase that, he, that came out of what he was saying that I do think, whether you're on the right or the left, in the middle of... Libertarian or wherever you are, or wherever your political beliefs are, whatever your religious beliefs are, I do think that there 's a conversation going on that we need to uh, better understand as a culture that um, is affecting both men and women and he you know brought up something um, you know and i 'm seeing this on both sides by the way and we 'll talk about this in this little video of controversial conversations is, he Chris Coons, a Democratic uh, senator, brought up his phone and said, over the course of this hearing, I've gotten no less than five messages from women saying that they, too, have been abused. And then he used the phrase that there is obviously a, a, a nation of pain. And I think that's true. And I think that's something we need to really discuss and think about and move forward into a better world, that there is a nation of pain. Now, here's, of course, what the focus is. And I understand the focus of this. And the focus is, right now, that there are women who have been abused, and there's a movement of women who want to make sure that there are there's less abuse, of course, in the future, which everyone wants. And that, um, you know, another issue that I think is important is what the Me Too movement has done, I hope, and what it's doing, and what uh, it—although there are dangers we can talk about—but I think the important thing that it has done is that it uh, it is encouraging more women to come forward earlier. So, you know, uh, Chris Coons made a statement that you know uh, uh, Christine Blasey Ford had you know, come forward to her therapist in 2012, and then he said, you know, in very rhetorical fashion, and then in 2013, and 14, 15, she told friends, and she told more friends in 2016, and she told family members in 2017, and then she told the press in 2018, you know, and he was kind of trying to make it sound like, oh, she was telling a lot of people. But to me, the real issue is, why didn't she say this at 15? And... This is the question, this I think is the most important thing that I hope our culture gets out of this, is that we encourage, you know, the the situation that Christine Blasey Ford went through is not something that a woman should go through without telling somebody, without making it clear, and that there is people who listen, right? And I think that is, if we get anything out of this, despite what difficulties we may have as a culture in the present time that is critical that i think is important that we get out of it encouraging women to come forward earlier you know because 2012 is still 30 years later that's still too long like 30 years that that doesn't you know it's not to say that that did that this did not happen to her i don't know if it happened to her people are saying oh it did and here's the evidence it didn't you you know or who knows maybe she did you know and um but the the issue is that either way, whether she thought it happened at the time, whether she thought she was right, she should have been, felt comfortable in um, the, what was this, the 70s? Or I think it was the early '80s, perhaps. You know, late '70s, early '80s. I think I, I don't remember the. Or no, I think she was saying like something like '82 or early '80s, and then mid '80s. And and you know, the the I heard people on the conservative right were really jumping on this fact, and you know, it's thirty years, and 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 that's what they were accusing her of is waiting too long, and and that's that's true. She did wait too long, <laughs> and but she's coming forward now. And the important thing that I think the lesson, the moral that we can get out of that is that you know women should be encouraged and listened to, not, you know, get, if, if some woman is at a party and then some, she says something happened to her and she's telling a guy friend or a girlfriend or a mom or a a brother or a, you know, whoever she has in her life, you know, you have to have someone in your life to have that conversation with or the authorities, the, you know, the police, um, the sheriff or whoever, you, you know, whatever you have going on in your town. That those people will at least listen and investigate and kind of learn a little bit what's going on and not immediately say, oh well, how are you dressed, right? Oh, well, were you asking for it? And that's that's not, I think, a healthy way of addressing that situation. If somebody has a claim to an, an assault of you know something illegal activity, it needs to be taken seriously, and that's something that's you know important. Um, but this 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 you know the phrase that he used, Chris Coons. Democratic uh, senator, was a nation of pain. Now, right currently now, the focus is on women, and and it should be. I I understand, um, you know, every time I hear a woman who is, you know, who's a friend of mine who says that she in her youth was abused or something bad happened to her, that's sad to me. That's that's a terrible thing, and that's not something I want to happen to anybody, you know, let alone a, a female, but, you know, nobody really. But there is an undercurrent of pain. And so there's a lot of finger wagging going on. Some people on the left are blaming the people on the right. Feminists are blaming... Certain people, there are academic feminists who are in fact claiming and they're, you know, blaming the patriarchy. And that, the, you know, and for instance, Dem- the Democratic leader uh, Senator Chris Coons said that there, you know, this, this idea of boys will be boys as a cultural, uh, mil- part of our cultural milieu sh- should not be accepted anymore. And that's true. <laughs> there shouldn't be this idea that, oh, well, you know, it's just boys being boys, just let them get away with, you know, assault and rape. And that's ridiculous. That should not be a cultural acceptance so you know he's right in that regard and i I agree with that so what we need to figure out though in my view is what is causing this i often hear you know there's you know someone on the right ben shapiro was blaming um the democratic leaders for holding on to this information for too long i think they did i think christine Blasey ford didn't say it early enough. She should have said it years ago. And the relevance to the hearing of uh, Judge uh, Brett Kavanaugh, I, d- I don't know. Like, it's, how do you, this is a question now, how do you address a 36-year-old claim on something? And and that's the one that is arbitrary. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. There's no evidence for it yet. There's only supposition based, you know, in a court of law, in, in an objective court of law, this would not stand up for a minute. And and there's a reason for that. That doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it shouldn't have any bearing on Brett Kavanaugh's uh, appointment to the the Supreme Court. But it, it does say something about the fact that she should not have waited that long. So the question then is, okay, in my view, is we want more women to come forward. Women are not encouraged to, to this day probably, although I think it's you know starting to change. I think the Me Too movement, I think the... Uh, culture of social media, which we always denigrate for these types of things, actually adds a lot to this. Is that we can kind of come forward, but you know, and say something in a more comfortable setting to us. Uh, but we have to be careful because at the same time, you know, I hear feminists or women who are inclined to call themselves feminists or whatever on the uh, who who are saying that you should always believe a woman, which to me is the most terrible thought you could ever have how could you like are you telling me that no woman in the history of the world has ever lied like that's always true and it's always bad and women are not miss um you know women ha- <laughs> we we're supposed to treat women equally but at this case we're not going to treat them equally because you you don't just always believe men so now we're treating women separately and so that cannot be the answer for a better future right? Even if there were injustices in the past, which there were, we need to make sure that the future is better than the past. If the future is just a repeating of the past, and we're just flipping who gets to be in control, well then, we're just going to have fights and continuing fights and continuing wars, and it's not going to be fun. We're going to battle it out. And that's not something we should want. We should want to have a better society. So, the question is in what can we do, or you know, one of the first questions is one: What is causing women to not come forward? And I want to bring something forward um, that nobody talks about for the same reason. And it's not something we're supposed to talk about. It's not cool to talk about. And when men have talked about this, this is from men. When men have talked about this, women have you know talked about white tears, which again is you know. So now we're going to shame men into not talking about times when they were abused. And, you know, how are you supposed to rate this? You know, was was uh, Christine Blasey Ford, who was thrown on a bed, you know, her, her top torn off, his hand over her mouth. Is that worse than a kid who gets punched in the face over and over and has his nose broken, his glasses broken, teeth shattered? Is that worse or is... You know, a boy that this happens to in a street fight who gets beat up or bullied to, to a physical sense, or, you know, is what happened to Christine Blasey Ford. worse? I mean, they're both pretty bad. And I don't think it's, we should be weighing these things and saying, oh, well, you know, that's nothing. Look what happened to me. Or this have, what we need to come to is what's happening, how, why is it happening, and why are people not speaking up about it? But the, this, conversation that we're having where now it's just two sides who are not listening to each other. And the point of the show is to kind of, not necessarily make people listen to each other, but to come to a common language that we can go forward with. And one of the terms that I'm hearing is this nation of pain. And I like that term because, even though it's very, you know, I'm an individualist uh, I, I like I, but it, this is a collectivist term, but I like the fact that there are uh, millions of individuals, both men and women, who are in pain and not expressing it to me that 's critical and that I think if we can come together and have an under, you know and talk about that and have a conversation about the question is why are individuals, men or boys girls teenagers of, you know, male teenagers, female teenagers, not coming forward and telling people what's going on. Just to give you an example, when I was a kid, and I think there is a a cultural thing going on I want to talk about, and when I was a kid, you know, I played baseball, I got hit in the face with a pitch right in the nose, broke my nose, and you know what I was told by people? Don't be a pussy. (laughs) don't be a pussy and it's like okay so you suck it up and you move on and you just go to the hospital you get your nose fixed and you go back on the field rub some dirt on it you're not supposed to cry about it you're not supposed to complain about it nothing you know you're supposed to to just kind of hold it in and we do the same thing to women like if something you know odd happens or she starts feeling nervous about a guy we're like ah, oh, don't worry about it he's just boys, being boys. Right? And that's the same kind of thing. and and the same kind of effect it has. And this is what I want to talk about is the uh, the effect of what's causing the nation of pain. It's too simplistic to say, all men are evil. Men are causing all the pain, and, and only women feel pain. That's the logic that I'm hearing on the left, and on the right, I'm hearing um, a kind of a, the same thing. They always tend to do, which is this kind of blase covering over things and saying, "Oh well, you know, um, they're not giving us sufficient evidence. There's not things going on. Um, you know, there's, there's not. A, you know, they're doing this only as a tactic. Which is there's probably truth to both sides, and that's what makes these conversations difficult. Which is why we need to think of a third alternative and and try to find a better language. So, you know, a lot of, so, you know, for me personally, and when I was, you know, I grew up and became a pretty big dude, so people stopped messing with me around 16, but before that, 16, 17, people really stopped messing with me for the most part, although I did get in a couple fights after that. But for the most part, um, before that, before I really started growing, you know, I'm, I'm now a six foot, 245 guy, and people just don't pick on me. And they, they haven't since I was like 16, or very, very rarely. But before that, I was definitely a little bit more average, and I got picked on a lot. Uh, or, or about as much as average, I would imagine. And I did some picking on. I think a lot of people, it was a pretty common thing. So for instance, you know, I, I was just thinking back to it, I've been, Punched like just straight up sucker punched in the face as like a twelve year old, you're just like knocked in the face and knocked down. I've been put in chokeholds. I've been thrown downstairs. I've been kicked, pushed, spit on, ridiculed, everything. And you know the the question is like, you don't tell people because then you're tattletale. Right? You don't, you don't uh, speak, you, you fight back. That's the advice we give to men is you fight back. And I did. I learned to fight back and you know, stick up for myself and it stopped. Or at least it slowed down. But then the flip side of that is then I was kind of encouraged to be a bit of a bully myself. I don't think I was a terrible bully. I, I was not a physically violent bully, but I, you know, I, some of it came out, and that's so. That's not necessarily the best advice to give people is to you know give kids. You should learn how to defend yourself, but you have to be concomitantly. You have to have some kind of anchoring advice that makes it so that you become a better person rather than just a you know a, I'm now able to punch people in the face. So. I, People don't punch me in the face, but now I'm the one punching other people in the face, which is how I got punched in the face. It's not good. You don't want that kind of cycle of violence, and that's ridiculous. Again, I want to make sure I'm I'm stressing that this does not mean you do not teach boys or girls how to defend themselves, because we're never going to live in a utopia, so that's always a relevant issue. So, But the question is, going back to this question, nation of pain. Why, why did I not talk to, about it? Why did I only think that I had to, to suck it up, to, to rub some dirt on it, to not cry, to not you know, be scared about things? And, you know, and the same thing with, with, um, with young girls. Why are girls taught to, to you know, buck up, to not tell people what they're doing, you know, or to not tell people what's going on in their lives, to, to kind of keep it hidden? What kind of things are they keeping hidden? You know, why do we keep things hidden from our parents when we're kids? Well, we don't think they'll understand. We'll think it's too awkward. Well, why is it awkward? Why would it be awkward if a 15 year old girl, you know, wants to, for instance, have sex with a boy, but she can't talk to her parents about it? Which then, you know, brings this cycle of have, not talking about sex with their parents, which then, you know, brings it so that it's a secret thing. And now you have this kid, this 14, 15 year old girl who likes a boy, wants to do stuff with him. But she has no advice, or you know, experience, or guidance on how to do it because she's afraid to talk about it, and she's afraid to talk about it because there's a shame against sex. Now, this so this to me is one of the, you know when we talk about a nation of pain for women in particular, but I think for men and women, one uh, cause I'm trying to bring out here, I'm trying to pull out a little bit, you know, there's there's pain among men and women. For women, a lot of the pain seems to be, and I think this is true of men too. Uh, but particularly women, because women tend to be the selectors in sexual encounters. They tend to be the ones who choose. And so they have to have a lot of burden of thinking about this, and yet they're given no guidance on how to do that. And why? Because, well, you can't talk to your parents about sex. Why not? That's ridiculous. And, and But the reason you can't is because your parents are prudish. I think you know we're definitely a nat- nation of prudes part of this is our puritan background our christian background and people can't talk about sex with their parents because parents will say you just don't have sex till you're 18 well that's horrible advice what if a 16 year old wants to have sex why why is this a bad thing now I'm not saying you should give the advice of having sex that's 15 16 I know that's what people are going to take out of this my point is simply that the conversation needs to feel comfortable and you need to not teach these blanket statements to kids of you know don't have sex, wait till you're married, no you know whatever you need to instead instill in them the ability to think about this and make their own decisions. By the time you're 15, 16, even though we treat these kids as children, as infants, they are able to have sex. So that's something that and they're now you know desiring of it and in an increasing amount. And so to give them an advice to fight this until marriage is just a recipe for an explosion and I mean that in a you know every way that you think I mean it. So in this nation of pain what I'm saying is the cause of it is not a patriarchy it's not men it's not even a boys club. It's you know like it's moms. Like moms are doing this to girls too. Moms are doing this to little boys. You know, dads are doing this to little boys. You know, you don't talk about sex. Or you just don't have sex. It's just not at all. And that's the advice that we give. Well, then that's that's bad advice. That's not good. And then the movies we watch. I mean, this is a really... I've said this over and over again. I'm going to say it again, over and over again. If you don't understand this, then you're just not paying attention. It is the most bizarre... Like, if you... If this feels to you weird, or like, oh, that's the way it should be, then you're not understanding how programmed you already are it is way more acceptable to allow a young 12 year old boy or girl, 11 year old, 10 year old boy or girl, to watch a violent movie where people's heads get ripped off they get shot, they get you know, people are dying like death is a big deal but yet it's treated in a blase way you know, people can watch um, these violent movies and television and that's okay, but if you know, we see a pussy or a a breast or an ass or a penis, you know, uh, know, where people freak out. And if you even felt, you know, I use those terms on purpose, if you kind of felt a little twinge when I said, you know, pussy or vagina or cock or, or penis, then, you know, this is something that we're supposed to have dealt with decades ago during the sexual revolution. Why are you still feeling uncomfortable about that? That's ridiculous. And why should a 13-year-old boy feel uncomfortable about that. That's a part of growing up. That At that point, you should start to, you know, the same thing with the 13-year-old girl, they should start to understand these things. So, again, I want to bring back the nation of pain. So, one cause of the nation of pain isn't a patriarchy or any specific group. It's the whole milieu. It's the whole culture. It's the way that our TV, you know, we have, we've had censors. So if you look at the Brett Kavanaugh era when this, you know, uh, supposedly happened, and I will not say it did or did not happen without any evidence. I need hard evidence, by the way, but that's a separate issue. But this supposed incident happened in the early eighties when there were censors, when, you know, um, I mean, think about two, what was it, 2005 or six when, um, uh, oh man, what's her name? i was blanking on her name. When Jackson's tit popped out, right? Justin Timberlake pulled Janet Jackson's tit out. Whether it was on personal and and the nation flipped their shit. What? It's a tit, man. Are you kidding me? Like a like what? Who cares if a four-year-old sees it? It's a boob. It's not a big deal. Like this is so ludicrous. Now I can understand, you know, to some degree, if everyone's watching a football game and they start humping, literally having sex on stage. Well, that may be, you know, going too far, but maybe not. I don't know. Like it's it's a weird thing though that we feel freaked out about a boob, for sure, and. So my argument is that it's actually an overarching culture of men and women. So I want you to focus on that. It's moms that you that a young girl cannot talk to her mom about how she wants to have sex with a young boy. And the, the girls that I've met who've had the, the best relationship to sex, and they've enjoyed sex, they've uh, felt comfortable with sex, they were able to talk at like 13, 14-year-olds. And, and a lot of them had boys over at 15. 16 for the night. Now they didn't necessarily have sex, but they kind of you know messed around or something, and that this was like not that big a deal, right? And and, and you know parents would tell them, okay, so you understand you need to be safe. So he, you know if you are going to choose, it be smart about it. Think of and they taught them how to think about this and say, look, if you have a kid at 15 you're going to have that kid till you're in your 30s and you're not going to be able to go to school the way you want to you're not going to be able to have the job that you want to have you're not going to be able to marry the person you have necessarily like and 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 then they tell you know teach them about things but not just the negatives also like oh well there's also positives it's a way to express your love it's enjoyable it's pleasurable and that it's, you cannot feel a better pleasure the the point i'm trying to make is that currently we have that milieu, that cultural you know, vibe in television, in um, movies, in the books that we read, and in the advice that our parents and teachers give us, which is basically, this is a, this, there's a subject we talk about, and then there's this taboo subject that we don't talk about, which is sex. And that leads to a nation of pain, for women particularly, but for men as well. There's other, there's other things going on too, the type of advice that we give to men. So when, or boys, you know, like I was talking about, is you rub it, you know, don't cry, don't tattletale, don't be a pussy, don't be a fag, right? Like, oh wow, you got punched in the face, get over, punch him back, kick his ass, right? And so uh, what I'm trying to argue is that these two cultural ideas of, you know, women, we can't talk about sex and for boys we have to be um, emotionally stoic. And that's what strength means. That These are the causes of the nation of pain, not Brett Kavanaugh, not these boys that are, they're the product. So that's the product that's going on, is is that um, we're having a nation of pain, we're having a boys club, we're having a boys will be boys mentality, which is a product of this culture. Now, this culture of telling boys this and telling girls to, to basically hold it inside, I mean, that's what girls have to do. Girls have to make a decision. I mean, you know, try to put yourself in the position of a 16, 15-year-old girl who has a boy that she really likes, she feels good with. He, he probably likes her. He's, you know, a boy, and he wants to mess around. And she wants to, too, because she likes him. And, you know, but she feels really guilty and horrible about it. And so she, um, you know, the question is, why would she feel horrible about, you know, playing and having fun with someone that she cares about? Well, she's picking this up at home. So this causes her to perhaps resist when she wouldn't normally, right? When she would want to. do it. So I'm trying to say that this type of discouragement is a problem you know and she's sitting there under a blanket and he's you know they're they're kind of watching movies and these are situations i know of before and you know he kind of guilts her into it well th- so i want to stop there for a second in that story i bet a lot of you that sounds somewhat familiar from the 15 16 17 year old era why is it guilt why can't they just talk about it and then they do it at 15 and I, so again I'm trying to make clear that there's a culture that's anti-sex, and there's also a culture that's anti-emotion, and that if we can start breaking this apart and start teaching kids instead, and teaching ourselves to enjoy and but to understand life and sex and the you know what can happen, um, that this is um, something that can definitely eliminate or you know parse away the nation of pain. Because part of the pain is the repression, so that's that's the argument that I'm trying to make right now, is that the pain is actually caused by a desire to repress. The young girl represses her desire to have sex with the boy that she likes, and then it, maybe that ruins the relationship. You know, and and I want you. I just said that. And I want you to think about this for a second. When you when you hear that, do you think, well, sex shouldn't be the only thing, well, you know, or, or he should just wait for? It. And, and it's true. There's some truth to that. But the question I'm trying to bring up is, she. My point is, she wants to do this. This is not. But she feels guilty. And where is the? What is the cause of that guilt? So she's now pressing down her desire to do something with a 15, 16-year-old boy that she wants to as a 15, 16-year-old girl. And that's what's leading her to now feel guilty and then, you know, the boy doesn't get what he wants, the girl doesn't get what she wants, they go their separate ways. Now, I bet a lot of this is making you feel uncomfortable and that, I hope it is, because that's the point. I want you to feel uncomfortable. That, that, That you feel uncomfortable is my point. Okay, you got that? Okay, so <clears throat> now the the um, the issue of the boys getting told something, I want to try to wrap this up and bring them together, so we have this repressing of girls' desires that they can do what they want to do, which is if they want to sleep with a boy that they like, that they should feel comfortable and do it, if they want to, as long as they understand what's going on, and they're, they're, you know, they're smart about it, and they take control of their lives, and they're taught to take control of their lives. Now, what does that have to do with boys repressing their desires? Well, I, what I'm saying is there's actually an attack on both of that, and it's all kind of together as a culture. It's not a concerted attack by the Brett Kavanaugh's or, or whoever. And, and, you know, that's too simplistic. It's everywhere in our culture. You know, it's moms and dads. It's normal church-going people that, you know, this is a very Christian country. And I think that's not irrelevant here. I think that's a very big part of it, is that we're taught— you know, when I was listening to Ben Shapiro, excuse me, uh, the talk show host, talk about this. He said on numerous occasions, you know, how he was so proud of how he waited till he married his wife to have sex. And, and I thought that was just the most bizarre behavior. Like, okay, like, look, if you want to do what you want to do, that's fine. I do not understand how you can even enjoy life and have sex with one woman in your life. Like, that's just ludicrous to me like it, it's like eating pizza once and that's all you're gonna have for the rest of your life like i could see sticking with pizza once you find something and then learning how to put different toppings on it so that you can enjoy it as you but he, you know you have no basis to even under, to to comprehend that kind of thing and to me that's a tragedy i feel really bad for ben shapiro that he's only gotten laid one with one woman now again i'm very pro monogamy but you do need to have some samplings in your early years to kind of understand why that this one is the best. Um, I, I don't see how that's even possible to do otherwise. But anyway, um, but but that kind of view was what he was trying to push: was that you should, you know, oh, well, he's the, you know, he was trying to. I'm so proud of being that way, and that's fine. He could be proud of that. But I think there, whether people are proud or not, the advice we give is still that. And the the larger question I'm, I'm bringing up is why are we repressing? that in sex and why are we repressing pain in men and boys and so w- now we have women who have a very mixed clashed contradictory relationship to sex and we have boys that have a mixed a clash uh, a, a repressed uh, approach and connection to pain to sadness to to the difficulties that they have and so i think those are two cause those are two effects that are caused by uh, the broader culture, so how do we you know how do we fix something like that now that's a broader conversation. I don't know you know the, the I do have some answers for that. I think it has to happen in art. I think you know there's a lot we have to do in education. I think there's a lot we can do in you know movies and in, in books that we read and write that um we aren't afraid. To show a movie and, and to um, encourage a movie that has sex and I think that we're seeing things like Game of Thrones is a good move actually in that direction that it treats although it you know it's a very large discussion that I'm not going to get into of um are they always treating sex great? And, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but they do. Sometimes they treat it as this beautiful, passionate thing. Sometimes they treat it as this horrible thing. And I think that makes that show very interesting because it treats it both ways, which kind of shows you the reality of life a little bit more. So there, there could be some value to that. Um, so anyway, I think there is this cultural conversation going on. The question that keeps being arise arisen, that we keep gaining from this, we keep getting out of this, is that we're supposed to believe women no matter what they say, which is I think ludicrous. And I think the the wrong conversation, the conversation needs to be that we need to start uh, stop attacking men for the sake of being men. If they did something wrong, get rid of them. If not, leave them alone. Right? It, you know. Um, but what we need to think of today going forward and we need you know and I'm all for you know if somebody did something in the past call them out on it if there's evidence but today going forward we need to start keep focusing and start focusing on teaching our you know as parents in f- helping parents understand that 15, 16 year olds should not be um, taught that sex is a horrible disgusting dirty thing or, or that it has to only be reserved for um you know, for marriage, and the we need to think about boys. So I, I want to conclude with the boys section. So there is a passage in the Iliad by Homer that I really like. I think it's very telling about our cultural differences. And this is when the greatest, strongest, best, most brutal warrior in the history of Greece, and especially during this era, Achilles, has left the camp, and he has left the war. He is saying, "I'm not going to fight anymore." And, you know, the reason is that some of his stuff was taken away by the general, the the leader of the army. And, um, you know, remember they're fighting Troy at this time, and they've invaded Troy. And Achilles says, I'm not going to fight anymore. And the the Greeks start to lose the war because of this, because he's the best, brutalist, strongest, fastest, most skilled warrior in their army. And his men are as well. So the leader of the Greeks sends an ambassador, uh, um, an ship, a group of men who are friends with Achilles to Achilles. And Achilles, when they find him, is singing songs, particularly epic poems, like the one that he's in. And he's there with his friend, and it's a very tender moment. Now, This, I think, is one of the ways that people get that maybe Achilles was homosexual and he was, you know, sleeping with Patroclus. Um, But, you know, that's another question for another time, and I think it's kind of irrelevant for this point. But the point is that Achilles is drawn as somebody who, when sad things are sad, he cries. When bad things happen to him, he understands it. He does not repress it. I think we've lived in this, you know, post Christian post-Stoic world, which were combined, by the way, just as a historical fact, there was a lot of you know, ideas going around in ancient Roman times and the ancient Greek times after Homer, where you have Christianity coming up and you have them coming up at a similar time with the Stoics. And the Stoics were telling everyone that you need to just kind of accept what's going on. You know, master your emotions, as in the way their advice actually played out was basically don't focus or think about your emotions. If you're, you know, so, and we, that's where we get a lot of our views of stoicism that, you know, you push it down, you don't think about it. You know, your wife died, your daughter died. That's just the universe taking away, you know, what is. is It's the universe's and not yours. That you were just borrowing your daughter. So it doesn't matter that your daughter died. You have to kind of emotionally control that, which is horrible advice. You should. Wail like the ancient Greeks used to wail. You, they, that's you know they had a release mechanism that stopped after this time period, and that's not good. We need to have that, and that and it's, so my point is that we have this you know r- cultural repression of pleasure, and we have this cultural repression of pain. So we're living in a nation of pain, both on both sides, because we live in a tyranny against emotions. And that is a terrible thing. And that tyranny of emotions, to me, is the fundamental, or one of the fundamental causes of what's going on with all these women who are finally feeling comfortable and why they never felt comfortable before. Because that's the thing we need to get over, is we need to encourage women not to be different, you know, in in front of the law of men, which is what we're hearing but to be encouraged to come forth when there's an actual problem, when something happens. And they need to feel comfortable to do that. And that is a good thing. And that comes not from, um, you know, just trying to destroy men for the sake of destroying men, or um, whatever, you know, or anything of that nature. It needs to come from the, the cultural writers. It needs to come... If you're watching this, or if you're a parent, you need to start of confronting your own guilt about sex. And you need to start understanding that when your kids come to age, 15, not 25 or 18 or 21, when they're sexually able to have sex, they need to really understand what sex is. That when a boy gets hurt, he shouldn't be taught not to to express pain. He shouldn't be taught to wallow in it. That's different. But he needs to understand that, you know, you're punched in the face. Sometimes, you know, you need to defend yourself in that moment, but then it's okay to kind of express that, hey, that guy punched somebody in the face. We need to stop that. And to get rid of this kind of, you know, idea that there's a, um, you know, tattletale and you can't tell anybody and just hold an inside boy. I mean, you know, we just heard about this Catholic priest boondockle, which nobody's really talking about it already. There's thousands of young boys mostly and some young girls, but mostly boys who didn't tell anybody. And parents didn't, you know, talk about it either. I mean, that that to me is just an absolute another example of this kind of repression of actual emotions. The, I'll, I'll leave with this. Emotions should not, do not hold up in a court of law. And they should not. And they should not hold up in your own life. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it true. But that does not at the same time mean the alternative if it's a, it, it, the alternative is not to not talk about it that's a false alternative it is not an alternative between you know doing whatever i feel like and that's the truth versus i'm not going to ever talk about what i feel like and i'm just going to hold it all inside and just pretend it doesn't exist those are false alternatives the third option is to understand that your emotions are a partic- is a, a, a particular way of experiencing the world around you, but that doesn't mean that that is the end all, be all of truth. You know, just going back to Christine for Ford, she could be remembering this wrong. Until we get, you know, if you wait thirty years, I mean, if you're if you're thirty three years old, you have no basis of even understanding the concept that thirty years ago your your memory is inadequate. You know and, and there's a reason why things like you know lie detectors are not admissible in court there's a reason for that um, because it's very unreliable and it has been unreliable I mean just imagine if we sent people to death row based on a person's accusation 30 years later would you be okay with that? Probably not and for good reason so the point I, I've been trying to make is that it's not necessarily the fault you know th- that people who have done bad things need to be held accountable for it However, if we're going to move forward into a better world, we need to have a better you know discourse and a better language. And my alternative for you is that what we need to be talking about is the cultural milieu. That that's what we need to be talking about in our art, in our music in our conversation as parents and our conversation as teachers and kids being taught not to have sex and kids being taught not to, um, you know, f- work through their own physical pain or emotional pain. You know, how many boys have to hold in their emotional pain and not talk about it until they blow up? I mean, that's not, you know, so we, we hear all this stuff, by the way, that, well we um, the fact that boys are not encouraged you know are not getting enough sex is the reason why they're doing this I think that's ludicrous I think it's it's that they're not taught and understand how to express their emotions that leads to to, to uh, that kind of desire for power because we know that rape for instance is not mostly about sex from what I understand from what i 've read it's most you know it's, it's big more about Power. One evidence of this is that a lot of people who rape are people who can have sex. Like they can have the option of sex if they were to just do it correctly, um, you know, by treating women respectfully. But they tend to not want to because they disdain women and they uh, like Ted Bundy is a great example of this. Like he was a psychopath, but you know he 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 was somebody that women actually wanted to have sex with. But he had well, he's probably not a good example. But anyway. And I've kind of been rambling for a bit, so I'm going to stop here. But I want you guys to, I want to hear your part of the conversation. And I want to hear what you think about how can we go through the cultural discussion of this kind of conversation about um, the repression that we're teaching young kids that then become adults and then they go on and do bad things because they're repressed, versus how can we make sure that they get the right kind of uh, training to be less repressed and more comfortable having sex, more comfortable talking about sex, more comfortable enjoying sex. And the same thing with pain, so that boys can be better able to understand their own emotional pain and work through it and learn how to deal with other people who don't give them what they want to get, right? and Which is a big part of being a man, is you don't get what you want. Um, so, anyway... That's what I wanted to talk about. I think this is an important, you know, ish conversation that's going on. I know a lot of people are complaining about it, but um, you know, and it definitely was a tactic. I don't see any way around that by the Democrats, and I think that under- unfortunately undermines the issue. However, it do- it's here. So let's have the conversation. Don't be afraid to talk sex, religion, and politics at the table. If we don't talk about those things at the table, then we will be fighting in the streets. This is Controversial Conversations, and I'll see you next time.